Oh, my God. 
after five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday Erev Shabbos Hanukkah Rosh Chodesh. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
There it is, J.M. in the A.M. It's Hanukkah night with Lenny Solomon. Simcha Liners, Harbe Nachat, Mordechai Shapiro, and Enod Milvado. Good job is done by the Yedidim Choir. Leif Tahar with Droy Yikra. Hasof, that was the Yeshiva Boys. Ari Goldwag's Hanukkah Light. Hanukkah done by Miami. And, of course, Regesh. Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. Welcome to a Friday on this December the 3rd, day 29 in the month of Kislev, the year 5782. Tufshin Pei Bay, Zerav Shabbos Parshas Mikates. Erev Shabbos Rosh Chodesh, Erev Shabbos Chanukah, candle lighting at 4.08. We have three Torahs tomorrow. Longest benching of the year starts tonight. <laughs> and yes, it is Rosh Chodesh tonight. Of course, all the traditional additions for Rosh Chodesh, including Yalaviyavo. It is Chanukah, Shabbos Chanukah tonight. Al Anisim, uh, full Hallel, etc., etc. Candle lighting 4.08 in New York. Make sure to light Chanukah candles first to make sure you know when things start where you are tomorrow night, Vitain Tal Umatar. Vitain Tal Umatar starts tomorrow night for the Sephardic community. Baruch Aleinu, the bracha of Baruch Aleinu starts tomorrow night. Thank you, Rabbi Kramer. And um, and we're set. We're set for a very, very joyous, please God, Bezrat Hashem, B'li'ayin Hara, a very, very joyous Shabbos Hanukkah Rosh Chodesh. Be as safe as you can with the candles. Let's avoid all disasters, and let us just have the most joyous and incredible Shabbos, everybody. 44 degrees, partly cloudy, a high of 46. Clouds tonight, low 35. And tomorrow, partly cloudy, a high Shabbos, 49 degrees. 61 in Yerushalayim, 44 here in New York. It's Friday. It's Erev Shabbos. It's uh, Erev Shabbos Hanukkah. It's Erev Shabbos Hanukkah Rosh Chodesh. 
here at JM in the AM as we continue with Eighth Day. Malcolm Honline an hour from now. Rabbi Yudin, Harry Rothenberg. It's a Friday. It's a wonderfully joyous day at JM in the AM.
Hashem besimcha, ba yilifanav birnana. If do as Hashem besimcha, ba yilifanav birnana. For their cause was a righteous one That their people should be respected Till the last battle was won Light the candle of freedom Light the candle of hope Illuminating generations That every girl and boy know That once there was Just what Hanukkah means to me When the battle 
Yeah. <laughs> 
There we go. JM in the AM with Avram Fried and Haneros Halalu at JM in the AM. Jonathan Rimbrick's Hanukkah song. You heard Zevi Kaufman and Ivdu at Shabbos now. That was eighth day. We're getting set for a big, joyous Shabbos. Three Torahs. We, um, we uh, will celebrate Rosh Chodesh starting tonight. All the traditional additions for Rosh Chodesh, of course, including Yalaviovo, and in this case, a full halal because of Hanukkah. And um, candle lighting on this Erev Rosh Chodesh, Erev Shabbos Hanukkah at 4.08 in the New York area, 4.08. Make sure to light Hanukkah candles before you light the Shabbos candles. Tomorrow night, V'Sein Talamotar begins. Baruch Aleinu in the Sephardic community. Keep that in mind. We had some fun with Rabbi Heber earlier this week, both a fun and an educational conversation as we were talking about all the different uh, Gabai signals that will no doubt confuse some, but hopefully not too many <laughs> tomorrow night <laughs> before Shimona Esrei. Uh, Friday morning, Erev Shabbos at America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NachumSingle.com and the NachumSingle Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. Galaitzal in the background. Do our news from Israel coming up. Galaitzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for a Friday Erev Shabbos. Erev Rosh Chodesh, Shabbos Chanukah follows next. We say Boker Tov from Jamie the Amp.
גלי צהל השעה שתיים, צהריים טובים באולפן גוני כהן עם מה שקורה עכשיו. איש העסקים משה חוגג, בעלי ביתר ירושלים שנעצר בחשד להונאה במאות מיליונים מתחום הקריפטו, חשוד גם בעבירות מין ובהן שידול לזנות, כך הותר לפני זמן קצר לפרסום. על פי החשד חוגג החזיק דירה במגדל יוקרה בתל אביב, שהייתה מרושתת במצלמות ובה צולמו ללא ידיעתן צעירות במצבים אינטימיים. לדירה הגיעו אנשים נוספים, שחלקם קיימו יחסי מין עם הצעירות, ומכאן החשד בדבר שידול לזנות. כתבנו הדר גיציס מציין כי לצד עבירות אלה, חוגג חשוד גם בהונאה במטבעות קריפטוגרפיים, בהיקף של מאות מיליוני שקלים. מעצרו הוארך עד יום שלישי. המשטרה מתגברת כוחות באום אל-פחם בעקבות דריסת לוחמי משמר הגבול הבוקר. ראש הממשלה נפתלי בנט קיים לפני זמן קצר התייעצות עם המפכ"ל והשר לביטחון הפנים והנחה לתגבר את הכוחות באזור ולמקד את המאמצים באכיפה. המפכ"ל רב-ניצב קובי שבתאי הבהיר להמשיך לפעול בנחישות אל מול ארגוני הפשיעה בחברה הערבית. בפעילותה מנעו הבוקר השוטרים והלוחמים אירוע ירי נוסף. כך המפכ"ל. והבוקר במהלך פעילות של משמר הגבול באום אל פחם נדרסו שני לוחמים על ידי רכב שהגיע למקום, הם השיבו בירי לעבר החשודים במעשה ותפסו ברכבם אקדח. זמן קצר לאחר מכן נקבע מותו של אחד החשודים, הלוחמים פונו במצב בינוני וקל לבית החולים הלל יפה. כתבתנו הדס שטייף מציינת שהאירוע התרחש ברקע הרצח אתמול בבוקר בעיר והמהומות שהגיעו בעקבותיו. בשעות הערב. מטוס F-15 נחת היום נחיתת חירום בעקבות תקלה בגלגליו, לא היו נפגעים בתקרית. בעקבות האירוע הנחה מפקד חיל האוויר, אלוף עמיקם נורקין, לעצור את הטיסות במערך ה-F-15, למעט לצורכי פעילות מבצעית. חיל האוויר מתחקר את המקרה, ידיעה שהעביר כתבנו דורון קדוש. עלה לשבעה מספר הנדבקים בזן האומיקרון בארץ, זאת לאחר שארבעה נוסעים ששבו מדרום אפריקה ולא התחסנו, נמצאו חיוביים לזן. בנוסף, קיים חשד גבוה במשרד הבריאות לעוד 27 מקרים של חשיפה לאומיקרון, מהם 19 לא שהו לאחרונה. בארץ. ובתוך כך, על פי הערכת המצב האחרונה, מקדם ההדבקה ירד בחזרה לאחת לאחר מספר שבועות של עלייה, מה שמעיד על יציבות בהתפשטות המגפה. כתבתנו מוריה אסרה וולברג מזכירה שאמש החליט ראש הממשלה להטיל קנסות בגובה של 2,500 שקלים על החוזרים ארצה שלא יבצעו בדיקת PCR שנייה ביום האחרון לבידוד. ההחלטה תיכנס לתוקף בתוך מספר שבועות. מזג האוויר עלייה קלה בטמפרטורות, אלה החדשות.
for the sons of Hannah that died. Six for the kings and the tricks they tried. Five for the brothers Maccabee. Four for the Hebrew children. Three for the books that Ezra taught. Two for the father and mother love. One for Moses on the mount. Eight for the nights of Hanukkah. Happy, joyous Hanukkah.
אבנים נקבצו עליי, אזי בימי חשבנים, ופרצו חומות מגדלי, וטימו כל השמנים. ומנות הקנקנים, נשא נס לשושנים, עיני בינה ימי שמונה, קבו שיר עונני. ומנות הקנקנים, נשא נס לשושנים, בני בינה ימי שמונה, קבו שיר עונני. יוונים נקבצו עליי, אזי בימי חשבנים, ופרצו חומות מגדלי, וטימו כל השמנים, ומנות הקנקנים, נשא נס לשושנים, בני בינה ימי שמונה, קבו שיר עונני. ושם תודה נזבח. את אחין מדמח, מצהם נבח. אז אגמור בשיר מזמור חנוכת
Pretty amazing, huh? Great new song from Miami. Uh, Hanukkah 5782 here at JM in the AM. Yisrael had Yivanim. Aaron Rizal had Yivanim. Uh, what else did we have there? Judah Maccabee from Safam. The Klezmatics with Happy Joyous Hanukkah. Little tip of the hat to the memory of uh, the great Norman Lester, who's responsible for bringing me to JM in the AM 38 years ago. We remember him fondly, and I know the Klezmatics were among his favorites that he would play very often on during the second hour on Friday morning here at JM in the AM. Ooh, we're a drop behind schedule for uh, Harry Rothenberg, so we'll get to Harry in just a moment. I do want to remind everybody that with promo code RADIO, with promo code RADIO, you have the tool to um, save yourself a tremendous amount of money. Go to artscroll.com, promo code RADIO gets you the uh, free shipping and, of course, a nice discount on any amount. Um, whenever you use promo code radio, go to GaiaCoffee.com. Our friend, excuse me, our friends at Gaia Coffee. Uh, go to GaiaCoffee.com. Save 15% when you purchase the brew bags that get tossed into your hot water and, uh, basically on the spot, create an incredibly delicious brewed cup of coffee for you. 15% off. GaiaCoffee.com and use promo code radio, G-A-I-A coffee.com, G-A-I-A coffee.com. Um, Shop Eichler's, I think today's the last day, right? Shop Eichler's, today's the last day to save 10% across the entire site for their Cyber Monday week sale, W-E-E-K. It's for the entire week they're doing Cyber Monday. 10% off with promo code radio at shopeichlers.com. That ends today. And, um, oh, and of course, <laughs> this portion of NSN programming brought to you by our friends at A&H. You can only imagine how many delicious A&H salamis are going to be consumed over this Shabbos Hanukkah or Shodesh. <laughs> and a 10% discount when you use promo code radio at kosherdogs.net. Try A&H today and enjoy. We'll start saying the same Talamato tomorrow night. Baruch Aleinu for the Sephardic community tomorrow night. 4.08 is candle lighting time. Make sure to light Hanukkah candles before your Shabbos candles. Make sure you know when the Shabbos starts where you are around the world. A lot of people listening from around the world. Our listener Tikva says hi from Israel. Shabbat Shalom, Chanukah Sameach, Chodesh Tov. To you as well. Uh, GZ Settler, first of all, says what great music this week. Thank you. Thank you very much for that. And my son's bar mitzvah Shabbos Chanukah next year. Wow, Mazal Tov to you. Chag Sameach and Shabbat Shalom. Yudi says, love that new Miami uh, recording for Hanukkah. Brilliant. Thanks for playing it. Nahum, have a wonderful Shabbos Hanukkah. Thank you, Yudi, from all of us here at JM in the AM. Harry Rothenberg, I apologize. A drop behind schedule. That's my fault. Harry has words about the holiday of Hanukkah on a Friday morning, Erev Shabbos Hanukkah Rosh Chodesh at JM in the AM. On Hanukkah, like on all the holidays, we read the Torah every day. On most holidays, it's kind of obvious what we should read. We read the Torah passages that relate to that holiday. But Hanukkah is a little tricky because the events occurred after the Torah was written. So what do we read? The passages that relate to the original dedication of the Mizbeach, the altar, as part of the tabernacle, the Mishkan in the wilderness. Why? It's appropriate because when we won the war at the time of Hanukkah, we rededicated the altar in the temple. Perfect, now we know what to read. But I was thinking that maybe there's a little bit of an issue. Why? Because when we read those passages, we mention the names of the 12 tribal leaders who brought gifts during that inauguration period. 
And one of those names is perhaps one that we shouldn't be mentioning over Hanukkah. Who? The leader of the tribe of Shimon, Shlumiel ben Tzurishadai. Why shouldn't we mention him? Well, Hanukkah, you see, is different. In his address this year in honor of Hanukkah, the Prime Minister of the United Kingdom made a joke as follows. A story best summarized, as is the case with so many Jewish festivals, as they tried to kill us, we survived, let's eat. Now that joke is as sad as it is funny, and it's typically accurate, but not with respect to Hanukkah. Because on Hanukkah, they weren't trying to kill us. They were trying to Hellenize us, assimilate us. They didn't have any problem with the Jews. We don't want to kill you. We like you guys. All we want you to do is just cut out these ridiculous, irrational, illogical, Torah-based rituals. Just be one of the guys or gals, just like us. And so do we really want to be mentioning Shlumio ben Sarishadai, whom astute readers of the Torah know had another name? The next time he appears in the Torah, he has seemingly left a reservation. He and many of his fellow male tribesmen are engaging in acts of immorality and apparently idolatry with the daughters of Midjan, whom their king has sent to seduce the Jewish men into these sinful acts. Is that the guy we want to mention when we're recalling the miracles that happened that saved us from near assimilation over the Hanukkah holiday? I would think not, and yet we do. Why? And I was thinking that maybe there's another lesson we can tease out. Don't ever get down on yourself. Don't say, you know what, look, I used to be doing the right thing, but not anymore, I'm done. No, 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 no. As long as you don't regret those good acts that you did, you still get credit for them. Thousands of years later, we're still reading these passages, lauding, praising the beautiful acts, the gifts that Shlumiel brought as one of the leaders of the tribes. Gifts that were beautiful and equal every day. No one showed each other up he still gets the credit for that. And later, when he left the camp, went off and did these terrible things, he has a different name. He's Zimri at that time. We don't even refer to him as Shlumiel. It's like that's not the same guy. When you're doing the right thing, that's the real you. Deep down, you're acting the way you want to act. You want to imitate God. You want to be close to him. You want to follow his rules. And it's never too late. Don't say, I just, I don't ever do the right thing. I should start doing it now. Yes, you should start doing it now. Yesterday was yesterday. All the yesterdays in your life are just past history. Today is another opportunity. Yes, it's a challenge. You've got a mission. You've got a mandate. You're chosen. God, when he gives you our, your mission, doesn't say, listen, I got a job for you. It's the easiest job in the world. It's not always the easiest job in the world, but it is the most fulfilling and rewarding job in the world. But you could have a bad day. You know what? You blew it today. Okay, by tomorrow, today is yesterday. Forget it. Wipe it out. Do the right thing today. Because the things that you do for the good, as long as you don't regret them, they stay on your scorecard forever. And when you do the wrong thing, that's not the real you. That's somebody else with a different name. I'm not suggesting you invent a new name and go out and do the wrong thing while that name and claim, that wasn't me. But I'm just trying to reassure you, reassure me, reassure all of us that the real you is the one that wants to do the right thing. So every day, another challenge, another opportunity, let's try to have more good days than bad days. Hug Samath.
חמות שעשית לאבותינו. בימים ההם בזמן הזה
oil We'll take it to the street And we'll blow smoke in the face of darkness Set fires to burn up the night Tell every tell all your stories Be a miracle of light Blow smoke in the face of darkness Set fires to burn up the night Tell every tell all your stories Be a miracle of light Canto es di nom No canto nit mo som Ki boi di mi at halosim I'll be a mess, mess. I'll be a bright light. I'll be a miracle. I'll be a miracle of light. I'll be a mess, mess. I'll be a bright light. I'll be a miracle. I'll be a miracle of light. Crushed like an olive, let your oil flow. When there's nothing left, your true colors show. So reach deep down and grab that spark. Ain't you tired of living in the dark? Show me a candle, I show you the light. Show me a candle, I show you the light. And we'll blow smoke in the face of darkness. Set fires to burn up the night. Tell every, tell all your stories. Be a miracle of light. Blow smoke in the face of darkness. Set fires to burn up the night. Tell every, tell all your stories. Be a miracle of light. Tanto es di nom. No canto ni como son. I'll be a mess, mess. I'll be a bright light. I'll be a miracle. I'll be a miracle of light. I'll be a mess, mess. I'll be a bright light. I'll be a miracle. I'll be a miracle of light. I'll be a mess. I'll be a mess. I'll be a mess. Hanukkah, Uchato, Hanukkah, Uchato, 
Hope your dreidel games are going well. Hope you've had some delicious livivot and sufganiyot. Hope you're having an inspiring Chanukah and a very joyous Shabbat Chanukah ahead as we uh, get ready for a Shabbos Chanukah Rosh Chodesh. Pretty amazing. Three Torahs, longest benching of the year, the whole thing. All the <laughs> the answers to all the trivia questions. Um, so that's happening starting tonight. Again, Rosh Chodesh begins tonight. Keep that in mind. A two-day Rosh Chodesh, Shabbos and Sunday. And uh, Chanukah will come to its conclusion with the eighth night on Sunday and the eighth day on Monday. We'll start saying the same Talamato tomorrow night. The Sephardic community Baruch Aleinu starts tomorrow night. Keep that in mind. In New York, candle lighting at 4.08. Make sure to light candles for Chanukah before you light candles for Shabbos. And I'm sure Rabbi Yudin will address some of this, if not all of this, coming up later on in the 8 o'clock hour here at JM in the AM. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations with us Friday, 7.40 a.m. Eastern Time for the weekly update. Mr. Honline, happy Hanukkah. Welcome back to JM in the AM. Uh, Merry Latkes to you and to everyone, <laughs> and a great Shabbos coming up. Yeah, joyous the confluence one. of uh, Shodah, Shabbos, everything. It's great. Yeah, Bezrat Hashem, everybody should have a very joyous and wonderful uh, Shabbos. So, um, I mean, we'll start with this. There are, it, it is amazing how many people have had to rearrange their schedules because of the situation now with travel restrictions to Israel. I understand that at, that at some point between today and the next week or two, people can pursue being exceptions and getting in, but that's not my question. Do you have any indication if they're going to go back very soon to what was the new system of simply allowing people in with PCR tests? I think it's under review that a lot of the countries rush to judgment about the, uh, the closing down the isolation, and there's really a lot of negative reaction to it, and certainly when it comes to Israel, you know, people had planned because it was Hanukkah and to see their children in schools in Israel. Um, I know, and it's painful for them. Many people don't have hotel reservations. Hotels were actually sold out in some instances, but really packed in others. And the um, the fact that uh, they couldn't go was uh, 
very painful, but I, I do think that they will come up with a once they see the impact of the new variant and the spread here in the states. And the fact that you have more cases, obviously, is going to raise the concern even higher. Um, so I do know that it's a, it's under review. I do know that people, um, the exceptions committee started to function, so that those who have an immediate need uh, or first degree relatives and things should apply and see what happens. It's, it, there's no consistency uh, that I see to the to the ultimate decision. So if you were told, for instance, that, I mean, just as an example, that this weekend they'll announce that in a week it's back to the old rules, you'll believe that as much as you'll believe that the new rules stay in effect for God knows how long. I mean, you don't know what to believe. Basically. <laughs> or, or you'll believe anything. That's the problem. It's the uncertainty. You know, this one of the frustrating things I have to tell you, <laughs> there's nobody in this audience that I have to tell it to. Everyone's been experiencing it for the last almost two years. The, the, um, the uncertainty of anything. I said to someone in my family yesterday, I forget the days where I could make a plan and carry it through. Where I could make a plan and just, you know, and, and see it through 99% of the time, unless, God forbid, some type of emergency comes up. And now it's, you, you make plans and it's impossible. You have no idea what locally or internationally is going to derail that plan. Anyway, sorry for being the target of my frustration, but, you know. It's a weekly experience. Yeah, exactly. You you agreed to come on, so I mean, give me a break. Don't blame me. You're you're the one who said yes. By the way, speaking of frustration, I, I know that we could spend the next hour on this and more. Scott Shea was a guest yesterday. The brand new book is Conspiracy U. Uh, it, it's unbelievable what's going on in the college campuses and how conspiracy theories and lies. I asked them, and I'd like to ask you what the difference is between a conspiracy and a lie. But the conspiracy theories and lies that are being um, uh, dressed up with research and with statistics and with studies is simply unbelievable. It's not just the kids that are on college campuses are getting an anti-Zionist, anti-Jewish feeling and are becoming targets, but they're getting targeted in this academic way as if there is a way to prove that this hatred for Israel and for Jews is justified. First of all, Scott Shea's book is a very important contribution to this discussion, and he's also an amazing guy uh, in many respects. He, the, the, you know, every conspiracy theory is basically a lie. Not every lie is a conspiracy theory. Right. Uh, a lie can be something an individual just makes up and says. A conspiracy theory is organized, and what we're seeing is organized and because people weren't on campus last year, it may not have been as visible to the general public, although it was continuing. But the BDS is a vehicle which they see getting acceptance by popular figures, by uh, Ben & Jerry's, by others, that um, uh, it has a different impact, I think, uh, in, in terms of the danger it poses, although a lie can spread you know, blood libel, whatever can, you know, people pay with their lives. Mm -hmm. And we continue to, to till today. So, and you saw COVID gave rise to a lot of conspiracy theories. And, and those who track these things online on the internet, it's really quite remarkable. I guess in previous generations, they tracked it on newspapers or whatever means of communication to see how it spread, where it came from. But today, we can. There are people who can go down into the dark web, 
beneath the surface and see exactly how they're manufactured. And you have state sponsors like Iran, like the PA, sources in Ukraine and Russia and elsewhere uh, who who promulgate these uh, these vicious Internet sites. And there are tens of thousands of them. That's what people don't realize, how widespread it is and its impact. And once a lie gets on the Internet, how many times have you seen these things that go around the world and every six months it pops up again? Yeah. And you remember with the universe, we discussed this once about it said the, the U.K. bans Holocaust teaching. And it was one teacher in one school and somebody spread it. But the University of Kentucky president called me because he was getting bombarded by former students and donors. You know, why is University of Kentucky? And UK was not University of Kentucky, wow. but it didn't matter. The impact. Wow. And then six months later, it came back again. And because it goes around the world on the internet and then comes back. And, and that that's why it's never ending. People don't really realize that, you know, Hitler spread the big lie, but it took him months. Mm -hmm. Now it's done in nanoseconds. Yeah. Yeah, yesterday one of the things we discussed, and uh, obviously you and I have addressed this before, and we encourage people to pay careful attention to this, is that you, you can't fight this battle without an army behind you. You need people out there who are ready to commit uh, to be outspoken on these issues. For instance, yesterday I mentioned we were talking about the book that you know we've got to provide parents and grandparents have to provide the tools for these kids to go to the campus and. He responded, yeah, it, it, you're right that they need tools in terms of how to deal with it, but it's not their battle. The battle is uh, is among those who have influence and who have financial influence around the country and who are sitting on boards and are presidents of universities, et cetera, et cetera. And it's those people that need to be pressured in order to you know, change the tide and stem the tide of all this. So again, we said it last week toward the end of our conversation. I'm going to say it again. You and other leaders cannot fight this alone. People who who want to get involved, need to start getting involved, then they'll realize just how much influence they can have on the key people in these different universities and media sources that have to be challenged. And by the way, you know, he, he of course, writes about Northwestern, but he started talking about some of the local universities in this area. I mean, it, it, we're talking about places with, with large Jewish populations. Everyone's just Rabbis and leaders have to start paying attention and encourage congregants and constituents to get involved. So I'm giving you a pass and all the other... All the, no, I don't want to pass because it is something we devote a lot, a lot of time to. But it's true. Donors, alumni, former students, the students themselves are in a very difficult position. They're intimidated. They're afraid that how it will impact them. You know, they want to graduate and get out, and then they often will speak out. But we have really courageous students at Columbia and NYU at other places who have stood up to the administrations, exposed some of the professors. Rarely does it, it um, uh, culminate. But when we, we engage in lawsuits, the Lawfare Project brought lawsuits. Remember, the San Francisco State case was right. powerful, and it sent a message to everybody else about it. And when when people hear it, when you see it, you can't dismiss it, and it shouldn't be up to the students. The communities where they are located, especially where it's a smaller universe, college or university, where you don't have a big Jewish population to stand up to to uh, go to the community and to get the support. Uh, and, it, and it does work. And, and often, you know, it's university people, uh, leaders are not aware of it. I, I had a particular case, a personal case, where I refused an honorary doctorate because of, of something that happened on the campus against a Jewish student. Mm. And it turned out that the president was the most innocent guy in the world. He, he didn't understand it. He didn't, first of all, he didn't know about the particular incident. 
but, you know, they told me he's cold and this and that. And I came there, and he couldn't have been nicer. And he took action, and they suspended the student who engaged in this action. And and so I'm saying don't jump to conclusions. Know the facts of it. There are enough facts. There are enough cases. And as you said, in universities in the New York area, and expose them. Talk to them. You have call and shows. You have letters to editors. You have media that uh, the Internet gives you an opportunity to tell the story, but make sure your facts are right. And don't cry wolf and, and you know, press them to adopt the IRA definition, because once you have that, you have at least a standard against which to measure their performance and the IRA definition with its examples. So there are things people can do. Another thing is we should be demanding that Al Jazeera be put under the FARA um, uh, laws as a foreign agency, like RT, you know, because of associations with Russia, was recently done and closed, actually. And we can get Al Jazeera is a vehicle that attacks Israel and attacks the Abraham Accord countries. It, it's, uh, it's, it's vicious, and yet it has free reign in America. Wow. Um, okay, next topic. The uh, United Nations General Assembly approved the resolution 129 to 11 on Wednesday disavowing Jewish ties to the Temple Mount called solely by its Muslim name of Al-Haram al-Sharif. This at the same time, of course, that the President of the United States and God knows how many other international leaders and public officials were recognizing the fact that we're now in the midst of a holiday that has to do with the rededication of said temple on the Temple Mount. Um, I mean, I certainly want you to address the timing, but could you address the outrageousness of what happened at the United Nations? This is, it's very important. I know there are still many people who dismissed the significance of the UN, and it's a mistake because it does have an impact, and especially outside the United States, and those who want to pick up, talking about conspiracy theories, and they use this to justify their position, saying, it's not us, look at this vote in the United Nations, 129 to 11. The fact is that you had, from the last time the vote, you had 14 abstentions, this time you had 31. The U.K. moved from a yes vote to an abstention. Um, and that you had um, less votes for it than you had in the past, but it shouldn't even exist. It it just erases all the Jewish link, which in fact erases Christian link to it mm-hmm. as well, because right. it's based on the Jewish right. ties to the Temple Mount, and it mentions only refers to it as uh, as Hamar Sharif. It doesn't say slash Temple Mount. And if you remember, maybe ten years ago. When they first introduced this thing and putting a slash, I said that eventually they will remove the Jewish part altogether, if you recall, and, mm-hmm. and made this point repeatedly on the show because it was clear that that was the direction and how this, this is a conspiracy. This is a deliberate campaign to delegitimize Jewish history, mm-hmm. not just the state of Israel, but all of Jewish history and, and the connection to Jerusalem. And you take away our past, you take away our future. So... This is, um, you know, one of the most uh, critical things in the resolution is that it says you've got to maintain the status quo. And here they destroy the status quo. And this is, you know, the fact that this is the holiest place in Judaism for us. It's not the holiest place to Muslims. It can be sacred to other people as well, and certainly to Christians. But the, the, um, the vote of 129 to 11 feeds the propaganda campaign. And you know that the U.N. spends millions of dollars on special committees to do propaganda for the Palestinians. It doesn't do anything to help them. It's just money that goes into the pockets, uh, and no one knows exactly where, but they put on exhibitions. They put on all these pro-Palestinians, anti-Israel 
manifestations of, of various kinds. By the way, there were more resolutions, you know, against Israel, the usual spate of, of uh, resolutions, including uh, that Israel's under permanent investigation. It's the only country in the world. You have all these vicious dictatorships that, uh, you know, the U.N. doesn't mention, doesn't uh, even focus on. And, you know, the, a couple of members of Congress, former members of Congress, including Elliot Engel and Shirley, Shirley Berkeley, wrote an important piece where they essentially called on the shutting down of the special committee, uh, these special committees, you know, and the United States pays almost a quarter of the U.N. budget. So we have a, a really big voice in a lot of this. And the uh, this and what they're doing doesn't help Palestinians. It's not conducive to peace. It does quite the opposite. And instead of demanding direct negotiations and, and putting the onus where it belongs on the Palestinians, they give a buy to them and they they uh, put completely the onus on Israel. So we have a, a don't dismiss it. It has huge propaganda value and leads to conspiracies. How uh, how much of a cop out are the abstentions? There were over thirty abstentions to this uh, resolution, right? Right, thirty one. What kind of cop out is that, especially from some of the countries that are included on that list? Well, it's not as good as a no vote. It's better because once they don't, are not able to have most of the leading democracies in the in the pro vote, it helps. So when uh. Britain goes to an abstention. It is a positive step, but it's not good enough. There's no reason why anybody should be voting for this. If they're really interested in the region, if they're interested in historical truth, if they want to maintain the, the UN, they should be voting against this thing. Do they regret it? Do any of these countries who voted yes or even abstained a day or two later regret their decision, or there's not enough pressure on them to, to worry about that? They well, some of them tell us, you know, that they vote all together with the non-aligned movement. So whatever the non-aligned movement, which usually have Iran as its head, and Iran is a mixed force there, uh, and other dictatorships, uh, uh, so they just follow automatically. Many of them say they don't get instructions, and they that's why you know these trips to Israel with the ambassadors has helped raise the number of abstentions, and slightly the numbers of no votes. But the, um, uh, the I don't know that they give it's it's an automatic knee jerk reaction, and you know the, it's interesting that nobody uh, talks about the expulsion of the Jews from Muslim countries. Uh, I know the Israeli ambassadors spoke about it, and the, um, the and one of the things that's inherent in these resolutions is the demand of the right of return. Right. Well, there is no right of return, and this demand is is outrageous. Obviously, a, a something that would lead to the <coughs> destruction of the Jewish state. So, you know, it's very complicated issues, but it, it, it's got to be heard, and we got to continue to keep the pressure on. We try to with others, and many of the leaders in the UN. We met with the U.S. ambassador to the UN um, just a few days ago. It's imperative to keep the pressure on. G give me 10 seconds on the irony of it being during Hanukkah week. J just give me your initial reaction. It reminds us of how important for the battle of Hanukkah continues in our day. Yep. The battle of light over darkness, even in the international body charged with uh, trying to eradicate the um, hatred and bigotry. And even as world hate. leaders are recognizing that the holiday is all about the rededication of the temple, <laughs> the Jewish temple. 
the Jewish temple, exactly. And, <laughs> and one of the things that's interesting is how in, the, in some of the Arab Abraham Accord countries, you've had candle lightings, Hanukkah celebrations, right. in, in, and in Muslim countries generally, we've seen uh, this increased interest in um, events and manifestations uh, focusing on their Jewish communities. And yet here, in the most fundamental place where it all started and where a whole history, story took place, and, you know, the new dis- discoveries where they found the place of, of one of the last battles of the Hashmanoim, and the and they found the actual uh, place where the battle took place, but it wasn't a battle. It turns out that they saw, that the Seleucids saw the Jews coming, and they ran away from their posts. So it was left intact. And there's so many discoveries about this period that, that are announced at this time, whether they're actually made this time or not, it's not clear, but, <laughs> I <like laughs> but they know when to save it for. <laughs> um, but the, the discoveries, nonetheless, are significant yeah. from this period, and it, it proves the story. And it's not like we don't have some historical records. You have the Book of Maccabees, you have uh, um, the, the historical accounts, uh, Josephus, etc. We know what happened, and yet they dismiss it, and it's it, when you when you eradicate history in this cancel culture, and when we see all the revisionist history or the, the the disregard for history, then you don't have a foundation for the future. Yeah, hundred percent. America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program, heard on listeners sponsored digital radio around the world, the web, and AchimSegal.com, the AchimSegal Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. Just one last quick thing. Um, and I and I think you actually address this. I just I, I don't know if I understood it properly. This comes up on a regular basis. These resolutions, like what what's the procedure procedurally? Why is this happening this week at the UN? They're annual, and, they, and that's and it. There are, there are about twenty that. resolutions against Israel that yeah. are automatic, and that's it. There's no and and they're the item. They have a separate item on the Human Rights Council. The only country, not Syria, not Iran, not all these guys who've been engaged in massive. And murders of people, dislocation of populations, population replacement, none of them are, are subject to, to this. Only Israel is a special item by itself, and only Israel is the subject of these automatic resolutions in the, in the General Assembly and in the specialized agencies from the World Health Organization, the Human Rights Council, UNRWA, UNESCO, all of these bodies that have such lofty goals are, are really distorting them and using these, they use these vehicles against Israel. That's why we emphasize so much the importance of history, of remembering what happened in the story of the, of the Maccabees. It's not just lighting candles and rituals. You've got to learn the lessons. Remember what it means to stand up against these tyrannies. Yeah, no question about it. It's just history repeating itself. What do we know about this episode of the bus of Jewish people who were celebrating Hanukkah and being attacked in London? It was young people that were in a in a bus, and they were stopped at a light or something. And outside, I don't know of any provocations or anything. Uh, uh, I've seen the film. I spoke to people in London. Everybody was safe uh, from it. But you saw giving Nazi salutes, young people, Nazi salutes, spitting at them. Um, and uh, it's unfortunately not an isolated inc- incident, not in London. Not in the United States. You have these women that they're being that are being sought to slap little Jewish children on the streets in New York. You have so many incidents of this, and the very fact that they feel impunity in doing it publicly. Now, again, we don't know what 
if something triggered it. But when young people are giving Nazi salutes, it tells you we have a more fundamental problem. No question about that. Um, I, I know that generally we don't discuss local issues. And I'm not asking you to discuss it. I'm just curious because people reach out to you for so many different things. Have people reached out to you about the uh, mayor of New York and the decision to uh, mandate vaccination for private school employees? No. Nobody said a word yet, huh? Because I'm, well, I'm assuming... Up, but that's not an issue. No, no, no. I, I get that. But I'm assuming it's going to be a hot-button issue over the next week or two in the Jewish community, unless I'm misreading oh, it. Oh, it will be a hot-button yeah. issue. and It will be a hot-shot issue, too. <laughs> and, <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> and, you know, I think it, it, it'll certainly have to pass constitutional muster whether they have a right to impose that on private schools. But it's... Um, Potentially another confrontational issue. Okay. Uh, let's go to Iran. Um, I, 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 every week, it's interesting to you know see how the U.S. is reacting to what Israel says, how Israel's reacting to what the U.S. says, whether there will be a deal, won't be a deal, etc. But now, Israel has been pretty open, and some of its public officials, including the defense minister, have been pretty open about the—we've always talked about the capabilities and the wherewithal that Israel would have to actually have an operation and a plan to strike Iran, but— they're doing a lot of talking about it in public right now. What type of position are they trying to take uh, publicly, especially vis-a-vis the U.S. and the White House? Well, first of all, they're trying to educate the world and say why this is so serious and how Iran is playing everyone. I don't think by the end of this week, uh, maybe perhaps today, tomorrow, uh, when the talks in Vienna are shown to have been a total failure, uh, and likely not to continue unless the Iranians do a quick about-face. But it's clear they didn't go into this with the intention of coming out with a deal. They wanted one thing, sanctions relief. But the fact that they're able to sell oil and some of the economic pressure may have been reduced, they had more money, um, that that helped. Their economy is in total ruins. Uh, I was talking to people about what it's like when you get four zeros lopped off of your savings and you have $50,000 and you have end up with five. How do people survive? And I still don't know the answer. But Iran, the manifestations domestically are incredible. Half the country is under a strict drought. There are huge demonstrations in Isfahan by people, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, were in the streets because they had no water. And it's, it's a huge city. Uh, you know, the, Iran has the lowest birth rate in the Middle East today. At 1.7 children, the first child is born after, I think, three or four years of marriage, and the second around nine years of marriage. But people are not having kids, which is a statement. You see the reverse in Israel, where it has the highest birth rate of in the OECD countries, developed countries. But Iran publicly declares their intention to go to 90% purity, which is weapons grade. We know that they're stockpiling huge amounts that they've installed the IR-6, and I talked about this months ago, that this was going to happen at the Fordow fuel enrichment plant. We know that they're doing it in, in uh, other plants. And the estimates are that within uh, six months, they would have four weapons. They could produce four weapons, and they could produce one in three weeks today. That the breakout time is very different. Now, it means that they have enough enriched uranium for a bomb they need to affix it to a weapon to go into a missile, but they have the missile delivery system. So there are only technical obstacles on the way, but it doesn't mean that within a relatively short period of time, they would really be able to kill themselves a nuclear power and have the ability to to deliver those weapons. So the the uh, I think the European reaction 
saying that if uh, they go to 90% or if they continue the enrichment rates, they're continuing. There's no question. And they're saying, well, that could endanger. We're seeing a, a somewhat tougher stand, but I think it's more frustration because they want a deal. They wanted to come out of this, and there's a lot of people who have invested heavily, you know, saying that we can get them, the Iranians, back to a deal, including um, some American officials. But I think most are, are more clear-eyed about what the threat is and, and where we stand with Iran today. And if you look at the statements that they're making, how much more vicious the uh, declarations are and the um, uh, threats that, that are inherent in it, I think you would understand why this has to be taken, again, so seriously. If you look at and people should just check General McKenzie's remarks from CENTCOM, the Central Command, some of the others who are there on the front line talking about it. Too many people seem to just say, well, we just have to accept that they're going to be a nuclear power. No, we don't have to accept it. And we should make sure now when their economic conditions is so dire and remains dire that we not release billions of dollars to them. And uh, and we demand that the IA inspectors be allowed to go into these places in Karaj, where they manufacture these the, the centrifuges, the advanced centrifuges. They, they dismantled the cameras, and they won't allow them to see the footage that was taken even before, let alone now. So the fact is the IA doesn't know what's going on in, in terms of uh, the Iranian uh, program. But Israel has a pretty good idea, and that's why I think the prime minister and others are sounding the alarm that people not say afterwards, well, you didn't say it. They're saying it, and they're giving the facts, and they're not doing it in a threatening way. I think they're doing it a way to put the marker down that Israel is not going to be bound by any agreement that is reached that is detrimental and that they will stand up. And And I think many of the countries in the region are looking to them to do so. Yeah, but the threat is getting more and more open. I mean, meaning the, 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 the threat that Israel is threatening Iran with is, seems to be getting more and more open, and they are less um, uh, less bashful, frankly, the Israeli officials, about you know bringing up the fact that they're ready to strike at any moment. Now, the truth is, you may say to me that it's always been that way and that plenty of public officials have used the opportunity in the press to, to warn Iran, uh, but maybe just this time, to me, it seems like it's, it's against the uh, wishes of the U.S. You know, when they were doing it in the past administration, it always seemed like the U.S. would always have their back. Now, I just don't know if that's clear as it was back then. It's not as clear as perhaps as you're saying compared to to recent years. Right. Uh, but I think that the administration, nobody in a reasonable position will will today dismiss. And I know that the, some of those working on this, in, in, even in the current administration, are very committed to to this. I think right now nobody knows, not the Europeans, not the U.S., exactly what to do. People don't want a war. They don't want to engage in a military action. But increased economic sanctions are valuable and work and have an impact. And we, we can't give in to the demands to Iran's threats. We have to crack down more. We have to send them the message and the message to our allies in the region. Uh, we often talk to, to, you know, the Arab countries there. They have to get a message that the United States is committed to do whatever is necessary, as has been said over and over again by this president and previous presidents, uh, that we're not going to allow it to, to reach the breakout time. Um, if it's now a month, if it will become less, and we ha- that we will not allow them to have the wherewithal 
to to make a bomb, even if they can say well, we haven't assembled a bomb. But if you have all the things in the lineup, that means that your breakout is not six months, it's not a year, it's not two years. And all the, the sunset clauses of the JCPOA are coming into effect, which means there's less and less restrictions on them. And their goal, and it seems that uh, Raisi, the new extremist uh, <laughs> prime minister, which means he's only a little more extreme than the previous government, mm-hmm. has made very clear. And the appointment of people, vicious people, some of them wanted by uh, Interpol, one for involvement in the bombing in Amia. Uh, we see exactly what their stance are and who he's appealing to. Uh, and maybe it's it's also a play because they think that maybe Khamenei's days will be numbered and they want to get the support of hardliners who will make up the majority of the marshals of parliament. Uh, that um, that they're forcing these kind of really tough line positions. And when they feel that they can sell oil to China and they get the money, and as long as the leadership has the money, they don't care about the people. Yeah, I totally understand that. Um, finally, the, um, the uh, cancellation of the plans, alteration of the plans, I don't know how you'd put it. I'm sure you'll give us a more accurate description than I'm giving of um, uh, a Haredi neighborhood to be uh, established in East Jerusalem. It looks like the prime minister scrapped that plan this week, came under a lot of criticism because many believe that the prime minister Netanyahu, especially under the last administration in the United States, or maybe even under this one, would never have uh, caved in like that. Uh, what could you tell us about uh, what the prime minister decided, and did he in fact cave into American pressure? Well, one of the only American pressure, it's a pressure generally about the building and where the Atarot uh, airport uh, was is a big location. I don't think it's canceled. I think it's postponed. Uh, and we'll have to learn more about what the reasons. I mean, there are many potential reasons. Uh, I think right now, given the focus in Iran, they didn't want to have uh, interest in everybody deflect onto Israel. And they wanted to keep the focus on the Vienna talks and the situation there. Um, but, you know, the pressure mounts. Israel has announced quite a bit of construction, and you see that even the U.S. ambassadors spoke about, you know, the settlement expansion mm-hmm. reaching critical points, right. and in speeches to, um, and in statements that the administration makes, even supporting Israel, these these references uh, always uh, slipped in. And while they, the administration, I think, has tried to avoid an open confrontations on on critical issues with Israel, uh, this this is a um, this one they have constantly um, made reference to. So I think the prime minister and the government sort of looked at this and said, right now we need to put all our, our energies here. I, I don't think it's that. I think it's it's a great location for those who have been there. And I remember flying into the Atarot many times when we flew to the south. Uh, it's a it's a great location. And we have to assert our, 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 uh, Israel's position. You know, in the Negev today, the Bedouin are expanding and creating facts on the ground. We need to expand the Jewish population there. And there are a lot of demands and things that need to be addressed to, to look at the long-term security of Israel. Losing the Negev in this way would be a terrible mistake. I think there are ways, you know, they want to build cities for the Bedouin and have them live inside and that also helps, you know, with these massive birth rates because they have multiple wives. Uh, that there are steps that can be taken within the uh, proper bounds to address these these concerns. But you can't show that we give in to when a legitimate right 
an interest is at stake. So they have to balance those things. Uh, I mean, I think the Prime Minister of Israel has one of the most thankless jobs. Uh, although they had some thankful things, Germany, the, the Deutsche Post Bank this week uh, dropped all the Hamas accounts and BDS accounts, and together with what Britain did last week in in banning um, all of Hamas, the military, quote military wing, which is I mean, and and the political wing, it's all one thing. But now these are the major sources of funding for Hamas. And I think that, uh, that in many of these countries, because they see it as a threat to them, not just to Israel, but taking these steps are really critical. So we have to continue to press on all sides of this. Yeah, the prime minister had an interesting week, and uh, at least his family gets the vacation against the advice of his own administration that people in Israel should not be uh, traveling at this time. But, uh, hey... You know, the rules aren't made for the leaders. The rules are made for the hamonam, for the general public to follow. So That's a little harsh, I think. You know, the, they shouldn't punish the family either. If uh, Just because the father decides to devote his life to public service. Um, but if there are messages that they send. And if the public loses faith or says, you know, if the rules don't apply to everybody equally, then it doesn't apply to anybody. Interesting. I thought I'd have you on my side on this one. <laughs> well, I don't believe in attacking, you know, the families yeah, of people true. who choose to do public service. I hear that. I hear that. Uh, but it's a bad visual. It's a. It's just a. That's true. It's a bad visual at the very beginning of the episode. You know, it's the first week of this new restriction, so you'd think at least give it a little bit of time. But I hear what you're saying. I take this opportunity to wish you a wonderful Shabbos Rosh Chodesh Hanukkah, and we'll speak Bezrat Hashem next week. Malcolm Holmline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations with us Fridays for the weekly update right here at JM in the AM. This time each and every Friday, every Erev Shabbos, with great pleasure we present Rabbi Benjamin Uden, Spiritual Leader Emeritus, Congregation Shomri Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Uden. Good morning, Nachum. Good Erev Shabbos, everybody, and Freilich Hanukkah, everybody. And what an exciting Erev Shabbos it is today when we are approaching <clears throat> Erev Shabbos, Hanukkah, and Rosh Chodesh. Wow. And I can only tell you that um, the picture of Amir Tzashem, what we're going to see tomorrow morning of three Sifrei Torah, uh, something that I know I'm dating myself, but in yesteryear I would call it a Shabbos Kodak moment, a very special moment. Let's, however, begin <clears throat> and go in order, and therefore let's understand the following. Many have the practice of davening mincha this afternoon earlier, <clears throat> namely prior to the lighting of Ne'er Hanukkah. Why? Because in the Beis Hamikdash, the menorah was lit in the evening after the korban tamid shall benhar bayim after the afternoon korban tamid, our mincha corresponds to the korban tamid that was brought in the afternoon, and therefore, to show our connection to the Beis HaMikdash for which we yearn and our intuitive understanding that our observance of Hanukkah 
is clearly a precursor for us for the third base Hamigdash for that reason as well as perhaps practically the hecticity in terms of what's going on in the house of lighting Ner Hanukkah before Ner Shabbos would be another reason to Davim Mincha early. Okay, now, the first thing we pointed out was that you have to light Ner Hanukkah this afternoon before Ner Shabbos. Why? Because we follow the opinion of the Baal Halachos Gedolos, who says that once the Ner Shabbos is lit, the woman who lit the Ner Shabbos, for her, she accepts Shabbos. Once she accepts Shabbos, she cannot light the Ner Hanukkah afterwards. And therefore, we light Ner Hanukkah first. Next, it's crucial to understand why we cannot use the small Shabbos candles, the small colored candles, this afternoon for the Hadlaka. The reason for that is the Hanukkah lights that we light this afternoon have to last for at least an hour and a half. And I have to explain why. Candle lighting today, approximately 4.10. Now, Ner Hanukkah has to be lit, as we explained a moment ago, before that. Okay, now, the proper time for lighting Ner Hanukkah is every day approximately 5.10. So you have to have your Ner Hanukkah burning for an hour until we get to 5.10, which is Tseis HaKochavim, and then it has to burn for another half an hour, which is the amount of time that the Ner Hanukkah is to burn. And therefore, if you have an oil menorah, you are set because most oil menorahs will burn for at least an hour and a half, if not more. If you don't have an oil menorah and you can fit Shabbos candles into your menorah, you're also set because your Shabbos candles burn for more than an hour and a half. If you don't have a menorah that takes oil or Shabbos candles, (coughs) excuse me, one could use tea lights. If you have six tea lights in a row and put the seventh for your shamas a little bit in a distance away from the six, you are okay. You don't need a menorah. A menorah is something which is enhances the performance of the mitzvah, but the ikaradin, and this is also very important, all you need is one. So if you are uncomfortable and nervous, light one tea light. But whatever you're lighting, it has to last for at least an hour and a half. Okay? That is very, very important in terms of imkvar askvar. If we're going to do it, let's do it right. Okay. Further, let's take a look at 
and I'm in no rush to get there, but Havdola for this Shabbos. In the Beis HaKnesses, we light Ner Chanukah before Havdola. And the reason for that is, number one, we don't want to end Shabbos early. I, you're lighting a light by lighting Ner Chanukah. Yes, but conceptually, the fact that you're delaying the uh, recitation of Havdola is a significant statement that we're making. We're in no rush to end Shabbos. At home, what do you do? It depends on your family minhog. You can't go wrong whether you make Havdola first and then light Ner Hanukkah or the reverse. Okay. I want to share with you this morning a interesting thought that I hope you will appreciate, and that is there's something about Ner Hanukkah which is different from other mitzvos, and that is that it has a three-tiered system. Namely, the Gemara tells us in Shabbos, that the basic mitzvah is ner ish ubeso, one light per night for the entire family. Then the, and by the way, the Sfardim follow this practice and they have one menorah per household. Next, we have the Mahadrin, those that are more careful in the performance of mitzvos, they have ner l'chol echod v'echod, which we Ashkenazim follow the opinion of the Ramah, which means that each individual lights their own. And finally, we have mahadrin, mina mahadrin, whereby we light each night, as Beis Shammai says, in a descending order, starting with eight, going down to one. Beis Hillel, in an ascending order, starting with one, going up to eight. But Beis Hillel and Beis Shammai agree that the Mahadrin Mina Mahadrin is focusing on Hashem and the miracle that He provided for us with providing oil for eight days. So we go from the mitzvah, which is the individual, to the next step, which is ner l'chol echad, which is the family, which is the involvement of man in the process, each individual lighting, and finally we focus on Hashem. I'd like to suggest what this is as follows. The middle stage of Ner L'chol Echod V'Echod speaks about the involvement of man. Namely, we know, says the Pnei Yoshua, we didn't need the miracle in the first place. We could have used the impure oil, Tuma Hutra B'tzibur, we have a very basic halachic concept 
which teaches us that if the majority of the Jewish community are in a state of tumor impurity, you could use the impure oil. So we could have used the impure oil, and we never would have needed and had the miracle of Hanukkah in the first place regarding the oil. And so, why did we not use the impure oil? Because we wanted to show and did show our Mesiris Nefesh, going out of our way, our strong desire. We don't want second best. We only want the best in our service of Hashem. And especially there are those that say that you could use the impure oil once you have a functioning Beis Amigdash. But to start something up, because the Beis Amigdash had been disrupted by the Greeks and there was a void in the Avoda, there was an interruption in the service in the Beis Amigdash of Korbanos, and now that we're starting it up, we want to start it up in the best way possible, not using second best impure oil, we want to use the best. But any way you look at it, that second step is of Mahadrin focusing on the partnership between man and God, the involvement of man in the process of Ner Hanukkah. And finally, we come to Mahadrin Mina Mahadrin, which means that man takes a step back and it's not about him and his participation and his partnership but it's all about Hashem Ain old milvado. it's only our focus is on Hashem and that's ideally what we are to learn from Hanukkah how we are to perform mitzvos for example take the mitzvah of tefillah which is so basic and fundamental to all of us. And one could ask, as indeed the Mabit does ask, how do we have the chutzpah to come to Hashem again today and make the same requests that we made yesterday and the same requests that we made two days ago? And why are we not to be considered a nudnik. Hashem should say to us, enough, I heard this from you, I heard this from you, why are you coming back to me again? And the powerful answer of the Mabit is just the opposite. By our coming to Hashem with our requests, we are saying, Hashem, you are our only address. You are the only one that can solve our problems, that provide for us. You are really the center of our universe. And therefore, our very constant requests of Hashem three times every day is really a shevach. It's really a praise and thanksgiving to Hashem. And therefore, the concept of our going from mitzvah to mahadrin to mahadrin min mahadrin is to be a prototype of how we address and focus on mitzvos throughout the year. And ultimately, this is what we find in Parshas Miketz. At the beginning of the parsha, 
Number one, Yosef is Vayuritsuhu Minabor. He is finally remembered by the Tsar Hamashkim two years later. And what happens? He comes, he's rushed out of the jail, and the Sopurno says this is a portent for all the future deliverances of Klal Yisrael that will happen in a hurried, rushed fashion, beyond the norm, etc. Mashiach is going to come when we least expect it, very, very quickly, please God. But beyond that, Paro says to Yosef, young man, I've heard that you have the ability to interpret dreams. And what is Yosef's Beautiful answer, Bilodoi. Oh no, it's beyond me. It's not me. Elokim Yane Eshlom Paro. It's Hashem. It's God who will respond with Paro's welfare. It's not me. This is the perfect example as to how the Jew ultimately focuses, takes all the gifts that HaKadosh Baruch gives him, and instead of patting himself on the back and realizing or thinking that perhaps it's coming from him, it's all Hashem Ya'aneh. It's all coming ultimately from him. The incredible privilege that we have this Shabbos to celebrate once again Shabbos, Rosh Chodesh, Chanukah, we say HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Thank you for this wonderful opportunity to bring this additional light into our homes and indeed into the entire world. Shabbat Shalom, Good Chodesh, and Afreilach HaChanukah to all.
Well, it's a uh, Rosh Chodesh selection that we will say on Chanukah starting tonight. A two-day Rosh Chodesh, Shabbos, and Sunday in the middle of this uh, incredible holiday of Chanukah. And uh, there you have it with Miami at JM in the AM. Friday morning, era of Shabbos. We're calling candle lighting at 4.08. I think everybody didn't said 4.10-ish. Uh, but you get the point. It's early. Make sure you know when things start where you are. And don't forget, can- candles for Chanukah precedes the candles for Shabbos. Tomorrow night, we start saying Vesein Talamutar and Baruch Aleinu in the uh, Sephardic community. Vesein Talamutar in the Ashkenazi community. Uh, in the diaspora in Israel, they've been saying that for quite a while already. And uh, we are hoping that everyone has a glorious and wonderful and joyous Shabbos as Hanukkah, Shabbos, and Rosh Chodesh converge all together. I hope it'll be extra special for all, to say the least. Great, great day planned here at the Nachum Siegel Network at 10 o'clock. It's Mark Zamek with the Erev Shabbos Show, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. Erev Shabbos Music Mix all day long, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. Final hour at about 3 p.m., brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. Tomorrow night, Saturday night, Siegel with Avrami and Rabbi Eliezer Zwickler. Sunday, it'll be... Uh, Matis with JM Sunday beginning at 7 o'clock Eastern Time. Make sure to join him on Sunday morning. And Monday, we're back right here at JM and the AM for the very final day of Hanukkah, 5782. Unbelievable. <laughs> really unbelievable. More coming up. It's Jep at JM and the AM. So 
J.M. in the A.M. Well, and Alanisim from Miami. You heard Jep with Ms. Marshier. I think we've got to all of them this week, I hope. I hope we got to all of them this week in terms of the songs that we really, really have to do during a Hanukkah week here at J.M. in the A.M. Thanks so much for tuning in, everybody. You know what's next? It is time to wish everybody a very, very uh, happy, joyous, Wonderful Shabbos Rosh Chodesh Chanukah. Simple as that. With journeys at JM and the AM. Spend the day together 
Achenu Yisrael and Achimachem, our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners, sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NachumSingle.com and the NachumSingle Network, and of course, in the beloved NSN app. Wraps up an amazing and incredible week here at JMM. Thanks so much for tuning in, everybody. You know the schedule. Stick with us all day long. You'll be glad you did. Tomorrow night, Saturday night, single with Avrami and Rabbi Eliezer's Wickler. Sunday morning, it's Matis on the seventh day of Hanukkah with JM Sunday, starting at 7 a.m. Eastern time. Monday, we're back here for Zos Hanukkah. And thank you so, so much for tuning in and being part of this. Have a fabulous Shabbos, wonderful Rosh Chodesh, and of course, a great weekend and an incredible holiday of Hanukkah. Till next week, Nachum Sigal reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.